Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. I'm Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. In this episode of Community Matters, we'll be discussing social media and its impact on community associations. My guest today is Ed Hoffman, Jr., a partner and co-founder of Barrow Hoffman, a community association law and litigation firm with offices in Warminster and Allentown, Pennsylvania. Mr. Hoffman regularly presents and counsels homeowner associations, condominiums, and planned communities on a full range of issues, including litigation, governing document drafting, amendments and revisions, transition issues, covenant enforcement, assessment violations, and collections. He's a member of CAI's Pennsylvania Legislative Action Committee. And for more information on Barrow Hoffman, please visit their website at www.barrowhoffman.com. Ed, thanks for joining me today. And let's get right into our topic. Ed, you have written and presented extensively at CAI programs on social media. Uh, including a session at CAI's 2017 National Law Seminar called Social Media in Communities, How Associations Can Benefit from and Properly Handle Social Media Issues. So what are some of the main recommendations that you have for community associations regarding their presence on social media? First of all, Tony, uh, good morning. Thanks for having me here today. this topic is kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I say that <clears throat> with a little bit of sarcasm because I personally am not a social media guy. However, uh, I have a, a background in some of this uh, prior to legal profession, uh, meaning IT issues. Uh, also, this, this kind of thing, I started uh, speaking on it probably around 2011 or so. Uh, ironically, or not so ironically, the, the chapter here uh, published an article of mine in 2011 uh, about handling social media. Um, Common Ground published an article in 2012. I've done a national webinar around the same time for CAI. Uh, and this, this uh, 2017 law seminar um, presentation we did won the best manuscript. Uh, so in 20, all I'm trying to get at is in 2017, it was still a hot topic because of where we are uh, with social media. Uh, it's still a hot topic. And some things have, you know, the, the adage, the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. It's the same thing with social media. So what are some recommendations I have uh, with respect to community associations and their online presence? I, I think that the crux of the issue here, one of the issues is why do you want to be on social media? Why should the association choose to be on social media? So then the number one thing I came up with a long time ago was have a plan. Um, What does that mean? It means don't go online without having a plan present. What's the intent to putting the association up on social media, right? So a lot of times they go up on social media and they don't have a plan. They just want to be up there because everyone else is. 
Um, the issue with that is what's the purpose of the social media platform? Why are you using it? Is it to communicate? Is it to illustrate why the community is so great? Is it, <clears throat> is it um, other tools? Is it uh, emergency communications? So if the main purpose is to disseminate things about the community, uh, then it should be specifically tailored to that. Um, meaning, you know, if you're using a Twitter account, for instance, your, your Twitter feed would essentially be a garage sale, this community garage sale this Saturday. And these are just silly examples, but this, this, you know, it's a calendar purpose, or it could be regarding, uh, in some of the larger communities, uh, in the, in central PA and, and, um, North P Northern Pennsylvania, here in the Northeast and the Poconos. It could be about snow, it could be about emergencies. Uh, there are things that you want to communicate with people relevant to the community. One of the things that I always emphasize is you, the board and the community should be promoting the community. Why is it a good community? It shouldn't be a, social media shouldn't be a place to allow people to air their gripes and their grievances, okay? That's only gonna distract from the purpose of why the community is great. And it's also going to distract from the purpose of why the association's on social media. So that all comes back to step one, have a plan. So you, you've made the point about the importance of a, a community association to have a plan before they go online and to have some organization to the information that they may, they may want to present. But let's assume that it's too late for that. A community's already put up a profile on Facebook or Twitter or one of the other multiple sites that are out there. In the absence of a plan, how can the community association organize its online presence and communicate properly with its residents? Well, it's never too late um, because in the digital world, Obviously, every the problem with the digital world is everything is forever. It's like diamonds. So, because everything is forever in that digital world, um, things that are already up there never technically go away. You can always archive them. <clears throat> However, you can always create a new path uh, moving forward, even if you already put something up and it shouldn't be what the best choice would be for the community. So. What do you do? You reorganize it, you redo it, and um, you put up a new profile. So the Facebook, let's use Facebook as an example. Uh, Facebook, the purpose of the Facebook page should literally be the calling card for the community. It should be, uh, if, you're, if you don't have the comprehensive website for the community that's run by the community and monitored by the community, uh, a, lot of, a lot of communities use Facebook as the official page, and that's the key, it has to be the official page, right? You don't what you one thing you never want to happen is you don't want there to be a situation where your residents are going to an unofficial page instead of your own for all the information relating to the community. You follow me? So a lot of times a community is ABC Community Association Inc. and the community doesn't have its own Facebook page. People will someone will create an ABC Community Association Inc. Facebook page. Now, the problem is if it's not an authorized page, who knows it's not authorized? People don't know outside the community, especially. Uh, and the people in the community may actually start posting, board members, managers, 
they might start posting on that page because it's there and readily available. Taking control of that situation is what the community has to do. So the community should actually have its own Facebook page, its own Facebook presence. It should <coughs> advertise that within the community and tell its, own, its owners, this is the official page of the community. These, this page will represent what the community means to post. Anything else out there isn't our official page. So don't rely, if you're relying on information out there, it may not be accurate. If you're getting the information here, it's coming from the horse's mouth. So organizing that ahead of time and making your, your actual presence known as the official is probably one of the top things you need to do. Have it if you're going, and we'll get into this a little later, if you're going to have an official presence, um, then you have to choose how you're going to run that. Uh, and a lot of those things are about limiting content, public versus private content, et cetera, uh, monitoring what's going on. And we can get into some of that later on. I just, the key here is organize it appropriately, run your own presence and do it correctly. Let's talk about the, the official versus the unofficial social media pages. How can a community association combat the unofficial page, especially if it becomes a place where, and I'm sure this is, you've seen this probably, the unofficial page becomes a place for people just to go and complain. And, you know, it's, it's misinformation, yeah. it's bad information. How do you stop that? This, this is... Uh, every, I, I shouldn't say every day, but every, probably once a week, I get wind of uh, a client having an issue with some sort of social media presence, uh, usually a Facebook page, sometimes a next door page, uh, where people are, uh, there's a name of the community is literally the, the name of the page and people are on their posting. How do you deal with that? Uh, you know, there's the intersection of, of, I put it in quotes, free speech, uh, as well as uh, what our, what our uh, interests are as a community association, right? So if, it, if those unofficial pages uh, rise to the level of slanderous, slander, um, complete misinformation, fabrication, uh, incorrect factual assertions, then you have to take the bull by the horns and contact the, the page administrator and advise them of that and say they need to pull down this information and stop people from posting it. Uh, if they don't do it, Facebook, contacting Facebook's another option, but they're a tough crowd uh, to deal with because the freedom of speech issue is paramount with them. However, uh, when it's blatant, uh, misinformation or, or uh, defamation, uh, you know, there are things that can be done. The key, another key, I, I, I've been recommending this more and more recently, is for associations to uh, trademark their name um, and every permutation of it. So if it's ABC Community Association Inc., you would, you would, uh, you would trademark that specific corporate name, not just have it be your corporate name, but you trademark it. Then you would also uh, trademark ABC, you know, CA uh, for community association. You whatever permutations uh, you would have of that name, you would probably trademark. I think it's a few hundred dollars for each one. Uh, when you put in your application, you you 
but they all have to be related. What that allows you to do, Tony, is at the end of the day, people can't use your name as the official name, right? Uh, they might be able to say ABC, but they can't say association. They can't, you know, <laughs> something community, but they can't. There's, there's no risk of confusion uh, when you own the trademark because then you control who can use it. And you should be the only one using the full name of the association, meaning the community itself should be the only one using it. Right. So um, how many times have I seen a Facebook page where it's literally our the, the our community's name, I say our because I'm the council, right? Our community's name, it is the picture of the community clubhouse. It's the picture of the community lake. It's the, all the community documents are available online for download because someone's uploading them on there. Uh, minutes are all up there. And this is all an unofficial page, by the way. Uh, and anyone in the world can go on there because it's some of them are unrestricted to non-owners. And anyone can go on there and we'll talk a little bit about private, public and private content uh, and why it's kind of important to make sure that some things don't go up on pages because they should be made only available to members. So uh, the end result here is you can, you can do things to try and uh, reverse course on some unofficial pages that have become problematic. Uh, sometimes you have to use a, ha a hammer, uh, sometimes just being polite and asking and speaking to the people, because again, remember a lot of times the people that run these unofficial pages are actually residents of the community. And, and a lot of them do it in good faith. A lot of them do it for the benefit of the community in good faith. And in some situations we're able to convince them to turn over the page or the administration page or the administrator details. Uh, to the association and the association then has to be prepared to run that page and run it, pro run it properly, clamp down on what shouldn't be on there uh, and utilize it for purposes that benefit the association, not, not act as a detriment to it. Let's talk about liability for a second. Can a community association be sued for something that is said on one of the social media pages is there serious liability here if they do not control what is posted on their pages? And, and let me take that a step further. Can they also be sued for something that is said on a quote unquote fake, fake page that yeah, they then fail to either, either control or, you know, uh, have taken down, so to speak. Right. So like an unofficial page. Right. Uh, well, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer. Maybe. Uh, the answer is maybe, and, and the answer is maybe uh, to being sued. Well, first of all, you can sue anyone for anything, whether or not there is a cognizable legal theory and, and the, the propensity for actual damages to be assessed is a different story. So you have to prove liability, right? You have to prove the association did something wrong. And you also have to prove damages, that you were somehow damaged by uh, something that was put on a, on a page. Uh, it's easier to prove the liability, and I say this in a vacuum, but it's easier, it would be easier to prove liability on a, if the page was actually owned and run, I say owned, run by the community, uh, and we just let it run amok, the community just let it run amok, and um, also, if board members decided to start chiming in and arguing with people, uh, you, you know, you see it everywhere, you see people uh, they become keyboard warriors and um, they bait 
a lot of times people bait board members into discussions. Board members feel like they need to defend the good name of the community as well as the board of directors and sometimes themselves. And board members, you can't take off that hat if you're going online, especially on, on, your, on the community page, but even on the unofficial page, you're showing up as, um, you know, I would be showing up as Ed Hoffman, but if I served on a board and I'm, and I'm literally communicating about the community and issues pertinent to the community, who am I talking, who am I speaking as? Am I speaking as Ed Hoffman individual or am I speaking as Ed Hoffman board member for ABC Community Association Inc.? It's, it's almost impossible to take that hat off if you're a board member and you're on there chiming in and arguing with people or, you know, maybe not arguing, but even defending the community. And I've, I've seen this happen all the time, by the way. And people do it with great intent. They do it for the good of the community. And then sometimes they, it gets out of control. Uh, it gets out of control. Uh, the issue with uh, online presence and liability is what can you really do on there to cause liability? There are a number of different things. Probably the biggest one you see alleged is defamation, right? Um, so it's defamatory uh, statements that are made against someone uh, or an entity or a company uh, or on the, the, the reverse side, the owner is making those statements against the community itself and the board of directors. Uh, and you have to prove damages in a defamation case. You have to prove that someone that they, it rose to the level that it was going to impact uh, either your, your, you personally as an individual and your reputation in the community. And on the association side, it impacts the entirety. And this is what I explain to clients all the time. Um, these things, when you read them, especially if it's an open page, uh, whether it's our own, which we should clamp down and have control over, or it's an unofficial page and it's and they're open to the public, meaning anyone from anywhere in the world can look at it, they reflect negatively on the community. And the more people see uh, the arguments and the, the the toxicity that's involved in some of some of these threads online uh, for you know on the association, page or on the un unofficial, the more it's going to give people rise to avoid that community and not buy there and want to live there. And I've had realtors tell me over the years, uh, when they find out I represent a certain community or maybe used to represent a certain community, that um, they steer people away from, from those communities because those people bring up the fact that they went online to check it out and this is all they saw, right? So what are you going to do if you're a buyer and it's, that's putting that taste in your mouth? You're, gonna, you're not going to buy a place there. Why would you? A lot of people are buying these places for second homes, especially in lakefront communities, et cetera, to get away. They don't want to go there and face this, right? So uh, it's, you know, it's a slippery slope. Um, so can you be liable? Uh, maybe. Maybe. So I would, I would recommend that associations uh, obtain Obviously, on the on the on the on the, so on the board side, they're going to have director and officer liability insurance for their actions as board members or inactions, and then there's cyber liability coverage that most of, of the best carriers offer now uh, as part of the business package for the association that may cover some of this, uh, especially defense. It may cover defense for costs related to someone suing the association. 
so the insurance part's pretty important. Uh, liability, again, you have to prove it, uh, but there's always a risk. Huh? So you mentioned a little earlier uh, differentiating between information that's private versus public. Should an association have some guidelines in place on what content gets posted publicly for everyone to see versus information that might be uh, might need to be limited to homeowners only? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and, and by the way, since this topic first popped up almost a decade ago, and I've been talking about public versus private, et cetera, uh, most communities have gotten better. I say most in quotes, have gotten better on limiting content, uh, public versus private. Uh, the difference, I guess, the, the same culprit that's out there now with respect to dissemination of information that probably shouldn't be shared, not necessarily because it's private, but because it doesn't make any sense to put up, is the unofficial pages. On the unofficial pages, they're scanning and putting everything up. Um, from the perspective of an association website, most management companies now, for managed communities at least, uh, are helping or administering or even running the sites for the communities and they're locking down to members only for the stuff that should be private. Uh, with respect to what's private versus public content, uh, the private content is, you know, the, well, the public content is what the whole world should see. The community, how great it is, pictures of the common areas, the lake, the stuff you want people to see to make them want to come by there, right? Um, some communities also put the association documents up, uh, you know, um, budget and, and, you know, uh, declarations, the bylaws, the rules and regulations. I don't think that's necessary to put up on the public page. Then they also put up things that only owners would, would get, like meeting minutes uh, and budgets. I once had a, a board member call me and say, uh, we put out a landscaping contract for bid. Uh, and you know, this guy came and it was, he said, this guy came back, uh, with whatever the last year's total expense was for landscaping. He came back with it exactly $100 less. Exactly. So he bid a hundred dollars less and my friend, he was like, how would he even know what we paid last year? And my first question back was, do you put the do you put your minutes and your budget and everything online on the on the website or somewhere? He goes, well, yeah, it's on the Facebook page. I said, do, can I access it? He's like, anyone can access it. I said, well, that's where the guy got it. He went on, and he found that, and he was smart to do that, right? Mm -hmm. He went on. He gave him, he gave himself a competitive advantage, and he bid a hundred within a hundred dollars of of what they spent the prior year, thinking that if they spent that, they might do it again. So, uh, but that's not the kind, and I told them that, you know, now you get it. That's not the kind of stuff you probably want to put up. You should lock that down. So you should make these documents accessible only to owners. That should be private content. Um, even though the, the actual declarations recorded in the county and the, in, you know, these things are accessible, but why would you make it readily obtainable for everyone? Um, and the rules and regulations and things like that, it just gives, it just leads to no good sometimes. So, uh, that's that kind of public content and, and uh, with respect to um, other issues that can go on is uh, what private content, what's private content? Private content would be, 
you know, things that should never be allowed to be seen by other people, meaning just the association board itself. And that's like individual unit owner accounts. Um, unit, individual unit owner accounts, uh, whoever's delinquent, uh, a list of creditors, um, things that you, I'm mean, sorry, a list of debt of uh, people in arrears. So you would be considered a creditor under federal law uh, as an association for assessment issues. Uh, but you never want people to know who is behind in their assessments. It's, it would be akin to the bulletin board in the, um, in the clubhouse. Back when I first started doing this, they would have bulletin boards in the clubhouse and it would have a list of the people who didn't pay. And uh, some of the do documents actually allow them to do that, which is crazy. But even if the documents didn't allow them to do it, people were doing that. The difference here is posting this on a public forum website it's the whole world can see it. And what if the information's wrong, by the way? Well, then you have liability. You asked about liability, then you have clear liability because you're telling the world that someone didn't pay or is a deadbeat, or this is the person. What if an employer goes on there and looks at it and says, I'm not hiring this guy, I don't hire deadbeats. And it's wrong. These are the kind of things you have to think about. So uh, private content, two kinds. One is which all members of the community have access to, and two is stuff that the only people that can see it is the actual owner. So there's two levels of uh, on most websites that you want to have. Uh, you want or three levels. One's the public stuff everyone can see. Two is the, the then you log in for private content. Then the private there's private content that everyone has access to, meeting minutes, uh, the budget, the financials. Uh, the governing documents, the rules and regulations, your architectural review forms, whatever, whatever they would normally have access to that they would need as members of the association, they can pull it down from online. And then the third, the other level of private content is stuff that only you should see as a unit owner yourself, like your own account statement. Communications between you and the board pertaining to um, an architectural issue. No one else should see that. It's between you and the board. So these are the kind of private things that uh, involve um, some level of privacy. There's a concept called PII, which is personally identifiable information. Uh, most associations, by the way, don't really poke their heads in PII. Uh, that's like social security numbers, vehicle licenses, birthdays, private phone numbers, people's age. Most associations don't poke around with that and they rely on, they would, essentially, I think rely on a third party to deal with some of those issues. We should never, I always advise never keep, never have like a record of people's social security numbers anywhere. And like you shouldn't have that on file. It should never be on a computer. Or it should never be online because there's no purpose for it. Because if it gets out, you're going to be the one responsible for the leak. And then you have to actually deal with it. There's a state statute in Pennsylvania that makes you address that. It's like when you go to Target or I, I shouldn't just point out Target, you go to any retailer, but Target had, had a fairly large data breach um, and you swipe your debit card. Well, sometimes that information leaks out and then you have to get, they have to notify everyone who shopped there that may be a potential member. Same thing would happen here. If something occurred, you'd have to notify everyone that you had their information and somehow it leaked out. And here are the things and you had, it's a big thing to deal with. So social media has changed quite a bit since it got started, I guess, 
what, 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah. There's a lot more harsh content today, arguing, name calling, et cetera, especially on yeah. Facebook and, and, you know, Twitter is, Twitter's even worse in, in my estimation. Yeah. So what's, what is a community association's responsibility in policing speech on its own social media pages? So uh, on its own pages, so this all comes down to basically, uh, I I have a client who once called me the arbiter of doom. Um, And he, he said that because everything they wanted to do about social media, I said no, or about their website. And I would always answer the questions with questions. They would ask me if they could do something. And I'd say, well, why do you want to do that? And then it went into that entire conversation. Um, the issue becomes if you're going to allow free form expression on your official page, whether it's, and, and usually Tony, it's Facebook that you see this on for an official page, less so with Twitter. Most Twitter feeds for associations are um, informational. So it's what I said before, it's, uh, what, what's going on in the community, garage sales, um, picnic, barbecue, uh, clubhouse is closed, COVID, here's COVID issues, et cetera. The Facebook pages are where a lot of trouble starts in a lot of communities with respect to unmonitored content. So if you are going to have interactivity present on your social media pages, meaning specifically uh, Facebook, uh, anyone for that matter, but you're going to have it, you have to monitor it. So I advise against allowing this interactivity. The pushback I get from uh, a lot of people uh, in, com- in communities, board members and committee members, some, some have technology committees and things like that uh, <clears throat> with millennials on them that really notice stuff. And they, they say, well, what's the point of even having a social media presence if you don't make it interactive? And I say, well, our point is to be informational. Our point isn't to allow a free form of complaining, right? Back in the 90s, late 90s, how old am I? I'm an old guy. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was bulletin boards, uh, AOL, and it was the same concept. People would just go on and just uh, leave. It would be unleash on whatever the issue was. You don't want that happening on your official social media presence as an association. So what are your choices? Your choices are to lock it down and don't let it happen. Or if you're going to let it happen, you need to assign someone whose function it is to monitor that. Because if it's your page and you're letting it run amok, you then, goes back to liability, can face potential liability for not monitoring it, allowing it to occur. It's on your, it's that whole concept. It's your gin joint, right? It's your place. So uh, it's your page. And if you let that go, you will be the one, the association will be the one that's found liable. How does an association deal with it? Well, either don't allow it, or if you are going to allow it, like I said, assign someone. A lot of times property manager doesn't have enough time or energy to do it. So they create a committee to do it with a board member uh, whose job it is to be the liaison. Again, this all comes down to monitoring it. Even if you have a disclaimer on there that says, Thou shall not post negative comments, and this is inappropriate. Um, <clears throat> there are only certain things you can do. Uh, 
they should have an acceptable use policy, probably if you are going to allow uh, what, what uh, such posting. And, and by the way, this, this is all your worst case situations. So in a situation where you have very active community and there's a, an, uh, some negativity going on, you need someone to enforce these ground rules. Uh, the acceptable use policy, you can have uh, an acceptable use policy that they have to click through and agree to with respect to posting prior to being able to actually post anything. Uh, and, a, and I've written AUPs and uh, or acceptable use policies, and it's, you know, you want it to basically contain uh, limitations on posting harassing or discriminatory or threatening comments. Um, obviously, anything, you know, pornographic or violent or hateful, the things, common sense stuff that, that nobody in society wants happening. Uh, uploading a copyright material, you know that we have issues in communities playing music, right? Uh, that's, that's not licensed. Um, same thing with copyrighted material going up on, on an association page. Um, defamatory, the defamations, one of the biggest issues. Uh, posting a personal views, someone who is, um, acts like they're speaking on behalf of the association uh, because maybe they're a board member or committee member and they're doing it. Sometimes it happens innocently. Sometimes people aren't even a board member or committee member and they're telling people what, what the association's position is on something. Uh, you know, solicitations. Um, and then I guess if you're going to have this level of interactivity, you want to be able to remove the posts with, without any prior notice. The, the AUP should say, listen, you're on your own. If we see this kind of stuff going on, there's no protection. We're just going to pull you off and we're going to remove you from access from the page. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, we're not, we're a private entity. We're not a public government. Um, so uh, the law applies differently to us than it would for a public official. We don't have to allow everyone on the page. Uh, so we have some, we can exert some level of control. Again, I think it's best to not allow this kind of thing to even occur because people get baited. And then you end up in a situation where I'm in court and exhibits A through H or emails or posts you know, posts between people or private messages on Facebook. Uh, and then that's where you end up. That's like I said before, that stuff is forever. So what's another thing? You probably don't want a, um, an owner or some other person to set up the unofficial page. If you can, if you, uh, with your community's name on it, if you can restrict that, it's better to be able to, to, steer away from that owners get around that or people get around that by not naming it the official page and then communicating with owners that the official page is this one any other presence isn't ours so don't rely on information that's there you know what i mean so uh you know creating an acceptable use policy um having a social media policy uh and and saying that this is the official page and directing people to that is probably where you want to go uh, I have communities that want board members to sign social media use policies. And I think, you know, it could be appropriate in a lot of situations, uh, should be probably be brought up when they're running for office prior to taking office, uh, because you want board members to act in the best interest of the association. And you don't want them to had to be to, to you, you're wearing both hats. They're wearing both hats at the same time. And it's very difficult to change that. So making a board member understand that 
is is very important. I don't think you'll be able to make people sign a uh, a social media use policy as owners because they don't have to go on our page. You know, they don't have to go on our page. You can't force people to to sign it. You can then just say you can't post anymore if we have open posting. So, Ed, you you used the term uh, a few minutes ago, unleashed. People get unleashed on social media. Um, yeah. We are we are recording this podcast during the global pandemic, where right. people are, you know, people have been stuck at home for months. Many of them are sitting in front of their computers, probably working, maybe not, because a lot of people have lost their jobs. Yeah. Um, it ha has this situation with harsh language and tro online trolling and other bad conduct on social media, do, do you think it's worsened during the pandemic? And um, go ahead. No, I, I, I was reading what you were, what you were uh, saying. So I, I, I think that, I think the issue is that people do have more time on their hands. Some people, not all people. Uh, but the other thing that this, that COVID has done is it, it's literally put people in front of their, a lot of people in front of their computers for a lot longer than they were <laughs> at work. Um, and at home, uh, they can go on social media pages and do things that they weren't sometimes workplaces lock down Facebook. So you're not on there during the day. Right. Uh, so I, I'm seeing, uh, am I seeing more trolling or people using more harsh language? Uh, not necessarily volume, but I'm, I'm seeing, um, uh, let me know. I'm seeing the volume increase. I'm seeing the volume increase, meaning more people are doing it, but right. the actual the actual content of their of what they're posting hasn't really changed. Either they have a gripe or they don't have a gripe, or they they have a problem that they believe nobody is taking care of, uh, and they want to communicate that to to the world and say here's here's what the issue is. Uh, but I, I, what I see happening is I just see people with more access to social media and, and not necessarily more time to access it. But I think the fact that they can is leading to uh, more consistent efforts on behalf of people, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think part of it's also reactionary. You know, you read something on, on social media, you respond instantly before you really have a chance to think, should I really say this? And right. by the time you rethink it, it's too late because it's posted. And we all know <clears throat> you can delete it, but it's there forever. Right. So, and that's why, that's why, especially with that, with that knee jerk reaction kind of thing, um, you know, and board members, they, they have a fiduciary responsibility to the association. And part of that responsibility is every action that they take has to be for the, the benefit of the entire of the community of the association itself. Um, that's why I caution board members on even getting engaged and being on these social media platforms, uh, especially the unofficial ones, um, because all they, all it does is it leads to what you just described. Sometimes they, they mean really well and it's a knee jerk reaction to def because if someone puts a patently false comment about the association, well, here's what, here's what the board decided last night, right? Where it wasn't even disseminated yet. No one knows what happened. 
Um, then the board member gets on and, or a committee member, someone says, no, it's not true. This is what, and they, you know, it's that knee jerk reaction that will get people in trouble. Right. Uh, and it's a rabbit hole. And sometimes it's very difficult to get yourself up uh, above ground again once you go down to that rabbit hole. You know, those the rabbits uh, dig deep and they, they make these uh, trenches. So that's the, that's, that's the whole analogy. It's the, the, the soon, as soon as you start, you get baited in and then it's the deeper you go. Well, so, that's uh, that, that old saying to, you know, stop digging. The best way to get yourself out of a hole is to stop digging. <laughs> yeah, and let me, I guess, let me clarify about the COVID uh, issue again. What I have seen, Tony, uh, specific to uh, as a result of COVID is things that weren't an issue before are now an issue and people are really angry or upset or frustrated by it and and what are some examples uh communities that closed their swimming pool right because of the risk um pool was open for the last 25 years this year it's not people go online and they complain about that and they say i can't believe the board decided to close the pool um you know but we're in the middle of a pandemic like you started off with so uh, there's no right or wrong, you know, there, there, there's some variables you have to decide, but the board can decide to close the pool. It's an amenity. And if it's for reasons that the board believes is, are appropriate based on recommendations from professionals, then that's, that's the choice they made. Uh, other, or if they decided to open it, it's the, it's the choice they made. Some people, some people are saying they shouldn't have opened and they're posting the comments. Uh, so, you know, it's, you can't win you never can make everyone happy with anything in life and in a community it's it's especially prevalent but the issue is there are things occurring now that we didn't really have problems with before and it's causing people and you have to i mean you probably can understand this the level of frustration with covid is enormous for everyone not just in the community just everyone i mean i think most americans are fed up with masks and social distancing and we're doing what we can because we have to and we should uh we should do things that are appropriate and smart um and to to minimize the risk of infection but it's all very frustrating right um how we're working how we're doing things and it's the same thing in a community association uh things are frustrating people that didn't frustrate them before and some of the people that were the quietest mice uh, you know, they were church mice. Now they, those people are, are, are very active on social media saying, here's what I think is wrong. And a lot of it comes back to the effects of COVID. Well, Ed, this has been a great conversation. A lot of good information in here that will uh, hopefully be of uh, some use to our listeners, to our community association members and managers uh, as they navigate these issues. If you'd like more information on services provided by Barrow Hoffman, please visit their website at www.barrowhoffman.com. And for more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. And thank you for listening. <laughs>